So Russ and Mary are away today. They're away for the next couple of weeks, uh, having a well-earned holiday. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. It reminds me a little bit, like, you know, when you're a teenager and, uh, and your parents go away for the first time, and it's like, ooh, we can get up to some mischief. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of hope nothing goes wrong. So, um, <laughs> so we'll have a bit of fun today. Apparently, I'm supposed to be speaking on joy. Uh, a few people have mentioned... I'm not going to, but um, I am going to speak on Philippians 2. We're going through Philippians, going through, there's a series, a four-week series, uh, going through each of the chapters of Philippians. So Russ was last week, I'm today, there's going to be Steve and Taryn. We're going to go have a chapter each, and we're going to really pull out what God is saying to us out of the Word of God. So why don't we start at the beginning, and uh, I'm going to read through Philippians 2, not the whole thing, but up to verse 16. Look at how much encouragement you have found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy." Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation." He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was perfect. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience... God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm, and every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Believers shine like lights in this world. My beloved ones, Just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I was right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. And we've seen some of that this week. For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. I haven't labored among you for nothing, for your lives are the fruit of my ministry and will be my glorious boast at the unveiling of Christ. Such a great passage. And I'm going to just go through this passage today and just pull out what God is actually saying to us. You know, Philippians is is a letter to a local church. 
And I believe the Word of God is applicable to us personally, and there's truths in this passage for us personally. There's truths in this passage for us as a global church, but today I'm going to look at it in the context, as Paul wrote it, as a local church. What truths are in this passage today for us as Redemption Hills, as the local church? So let's start at verse 1. Look at how much encouragement you have found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. When we become saved, we get the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We learn how to hear Him and we learn how to walk with Him and He's our comforter and He's our guide. And it's our point of difference to the rest of the world. They don't get the Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit. That's that's what makes us different to everyone else. And it takes us past operating out of something that's natural, and it steps us into the realm of the supernatural. That's That's the whole point of it. But it's not just for us. It is for us, but it's not just for us. Everything that God gives you always has an application beyond yourself. Verse 2, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you will be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. It's not God's plan that we get the Holy Spirit and then we we go off and live in a cave somewhere for the rest of of our lives just in that unity with us and the Holy Spirit. It's God's plan that we get filled with the Holy Spirit and start working together in unity. So, so it's not just us and the Holy Spirit. It's us and you and us, each other and the Holy Spirit in you and in me and together. God doesn't want us to just be together without the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Acts. He said to his, um, his disciples, his followers, he said, wait until you receive the gift that I'm going to send you. And then they received the Holy Spirit and they all got up and started ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit together. So God's perfect plan is that we are in unity together and in unity with Him at the same time. In Psalm 133, it says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can can be compared to the Jude dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. I love the way that unity there is compared to this anointing oil. Now, Aaron was anointed with this oil that ran down upon him. It was poured out upon him in order to set him apart. And as we walk in this unity that God is is talking to us about, it's actually what it does is it sets us apart. It makes us different to other people around us and in the world, and they can see that the fact that we come together with this unity. It sets us apart. The other thing that that, that passage was talking about was this dew that comes down upon Mount Hermon. That's the tallest mountain in Israel, and it's up in the north. And, um, and that, that dew actually brings life because it doesn't rain there for like six months of the year or something like that. So there's this heavy dew that descends upon that mountain and brings life to the mountain and then flows down into the valley and eventually makes its way into the Jordan River. When we walk in unity, church, when we walk in unity, it brings life to people around us. 
within us and with around us. The other, th- the other thing I just want to point out about that, that passage in Psalms is that both of those things, the anointing oil and the dew descending upon the mountain, are a type of Holy Spirit. That's a, it represents the Holy Spirit. So again, God is saying, you know what? The unity you have with one another, is this, I want that to be the same as the unity that I'm having with you and the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be together, working in harmonious unity with each other and with him. How do we do that? Well, Paul gave us a few clues in, in verse 2. We're still on verse 2. We'll get, to, uh, we'll get through it. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> but but um, Paul says, one heart, one passion, united in one love. One heart. You know, our heart, what's, what's in our heart? The things that we value. What we place value on is the thing that's in our heart. And so we need to be honest with ourselves, look at our heart and say, God, what do I value? Where do my values lie? Because you know what? God sees our heart. And so in the context of unity, when I meet people and, and, and look at you guys and, and get to know you, it's my job to value what God has placed in you, to value you. I call it finding the gold in people. Uh, you just some people you have to mine a little deeper than others, but it's it's always there. There's always gold because God has placed something of Himself inside every single person, and it's it's what makes you who you are. And so, I'm not just interacting with people on a face to face level. I'm actually looking deeper and saying, God, what is it about you that is in this person that I can really celebrate in them? that I can see and lift up and encourage. Because everyone is valuable. How valuable? Well, the, the price that was paid for them. That's how valuable they are. And it's also about when we value, we value the things that God's put in them. It's... It's valuing also what they value. So if I say I value teaching, um, you can probably get that because I'm up here doing some of it. Um, My wife really values the prophetic. And so it's not for me to say, oh, well, I'm going to surround myself just with people who like teaching because then we can just like talk about the good stuff, the stuff that I enjoy. And and I can really enjoy uh, pulling the, the verses apart and seeing what it means. But we don't need any of the other stuff. It's all a bit weird. What's going to happen there is I'm going to get a skewed perspective of what God is saying because I need the full picture. I need people with different perspectives to speak into my life and to be part of my circle. So don't surround yourself just with self-affirmers. Make sure that you value the gift that God has placed on every person and that the way that they see things through the eyes that God's given them to allow to speak into you and we get the full picture of what God is saying. Does that make sense? Allow yourself to be challenged. Fee and I went to Bethel Church in Reading some years ago now, and we went over there for some conferences and things like that. And, uh, and I felt God speak to me before we went, and he said to me, Johan, I want you to go towards the things that make you uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, oh no, but I want to be comfortable. 
Who wants to be uncomfortable? Nobody. And, <laughs> and so when I'm over there, I, I just felt it again and again, like there was, you know, the creative worship was different, creative, unusual, challenging to my understanding of, of normality. And, uh, and we're in one particular worship session and, and it, there was a real freedom in the room and people were worshipping in all sorts of different ways. And I felt God challenge me in that moment. And there was this lady dancing and, and I felt God say, get her to dance over you prophetically. And I'm like, far out, that's weird. <laughs> so I go up to this lady and I'm like, um, are you, can you dance over me prophetically? I believe God wants to say something to me through you. And, and so she's like, okay. And so she dances over me prophetically. And, and at the end... I shared with her what I believe God was saying, and, and then um, and I said, sorry, it's a, bit, it's a bit unusual for me. I've never done anything like this before. And she looked at me and said, neither have I. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but you know what it, it did? It's disarmed me from having to have my guard up all the time, knowing that God works in so many different ways and being able to see him speak in so many ways and just being okay with it and, um, and even engaging in some of it to... Because you can think how big and amazing God is. We can't be limited in our expression of worship to Him with just what we're comfortable with. He's so amazing. Step out of your box and just worship Him in any way. The other thing that Paul talks about is one passion. What are we working towards as a church? What's our passion? What's our direction? The value of pulling together. That's our passion. Imagine you're, we're all on, on a boat and there's a few people paddling this way and there's a couple, no, I want to paddle this way and then Tim's over here having a nap in the back of the boat and, and <laughs> someone's being sick over the side maybe. <laughs> and we're not going anywhere. We're just like going a bit this way and a bit this way. There's a value in us saying, hey, where are we going? Let's all pull together and let's go in this direction. And let me just say this, that it's not... Russ's job to tell us where we're going. It's not my job, certainly not my job to tell us where we're going. It's not the, the important person, important in com, inverted commas, standing up the front here telling us where we're going. It's Jesus' job to tell us where we're going. He's the captain of this boat. And so, you know what? You get to participate in the direction that we're going. You get to say, Jesus, what are we about here at Redemption Hills? Where are we going? God's been speaking to us repeatedly about bringing life to the dry bones. And we've seen that happen again and again and again in this congregation. So we can say, Jesus, what, what's our purpose? Are we still doing that? And, and if we are still doing that, what's my part to play in that? And we start to forge together, and God starts speaking to us, all of us. And it's not just one person saying, let's go this way, and oh, I guess we'll go that way, we'll just follow. But we're all like, yes, let's get on board this. And, and, and God's saying this to me, and this to me, and this is how it works together, and, and we're all going to row together. Paul also mentions one love. And this is the important one, is that we all have the one love. We all keep Jesus as the center of the thing that we're doing. No matter what we're doing, Jesus is the center. And, and it's easy to get sidetracked into thinking these lesser things that we do as part of church administration or set up on a Sunday or, or even, even ministry stuff like outreach, pastoral care. We can, we can see that as the main thing and forget that Jesus is the main thing and that everything we do, everything we do is done in the context of our eyes fixed on him. One love. 
Verse 3. We'll get through it, I promise. Forty minutes. Who said that? Great. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. You know, opinions are great. We've all got them, haven't we? We all like to share them. Uh, (laughs) But they're really great when the opinion is based on what you believe God to be saying, not just based on what you feel or what you want to happen. And you know what? Opinions based on pride, that's an opinion that ends up saying, hey, that was my idea. Look at me. I want to get some credit for that. How important am I having, the, having these opinions and saying this stuff? And what that does, it takes away the focus from Jesus and it puts it onto you. So when Jesus speaks to you, Share that. That, that, is, that is what God's saying to you. Prayerfully consider. Ask the Holy Spirit the best way to share it. The correct time. The correct forum even. Sometimes this is the correct forum. This mic up the front. And sometimes it's talking to someone after a service. Sometimes it's not even talking to someone. It's just God shows you something and, and gets you to pray for someone. And, and God's speaking to you all the time. So when you, when you hear it, ask him, how do I share this? What are you saying? It's unity with the Holy Spirit as he talks to you and then unity with others as you share what he's saying. But always make sure that Jesus gets the credit. It's not about you. Verse 5, consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Something really powerful about that statement. Let his mindset become your motivation. Paul, who wrote this, he really understood this idea. <laughs> Paul, Paul's one of those people uh, that is great to read his letters and it would be nice to meet him like on a Sunday, but I don't know if I'd want to hang out with him all the time. Uh, you know, you'd end up in jail and, and I could see myself like if I was with Paul, I'd be in jail like, oh no, we're in jail again and this sucks. And Paul's like, oh Sam, we're in jail. This is fantastic. And I'm like, no, it's not fantastic. What are you talking about? He's like, yes, I consider it joy. Whip me harder. Yes. Praise you. He sees something different, doesn't he? He sees a reality that I'm struggling to see in that moment. He's got this mindset which is just like, yeah, God's in control. God is in control. Um, We we see it in, in, um, in the first chapter of Philippians. He's writing that from jail, if you didn't know. We see him, we see him full of joy there. We see it in Acts 16, which Russ mentioned last week, where he's in prison. He's singing. They're praising God, and they're in in stocks in prison. Uh, This week, my car broke down. We were driving along, uh, Fee was driving, not that it mattered, the car was going to break down anyway, uh, and we're in Riverside, and, <laughs> and the car broke down, and, uh, and you know what, I've just felt God speak to me in that moment, and, um, and as well as Fiona was also speaking to me in that moment, maybe 
maybe God was speaking to me through Fiona, uh, who manages to look at the bright side of things in situations like that. And I'm thinking, oh, the car's broken down. What's it going to mean? And Fee's like, isn't it great that it broke down in this spot? It could have been in a, a place with heavy traffic. And, and, and she started looking at the bright side of things, and God really challenged me. You know what? Don't let your circumstance dictate your attitude. Again, Russ said it last week, and I'll, I'll say it again, is that there's a difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer responds to the environment. A thermostat sets the environment. So what are these Jesus mindsets that Paul mentions? Um, verse 6, He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. The first one is let go of self-promotion. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Sorry, Steve, I'll just steal some of your, um, your chapter. To, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus and embrace him as Lord of, in all of his greatness. The world says we have to have an image of perfection especially when you see it in social media posts, we have to convey and project an image of perfection. But the Jesus mindset is that we find our identity in Christ. Verse 7, Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. Put others first. The world says, you know, you can look after number one. No one else is going to do it. You've got you to look after yourself and get what you can and, and gather stuff around you because it's all down to you. But the Jesus mindset is look out for others and give them what you have. Verse 8, he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion, doing things God's way. The world says, you know what? You're the master of your own destiny. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Anything that you achieve is down to you to achieve it. But the Jesus mindset is, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 9. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Jesus has been given all power. We sang about it this morning, and I love it. He's in charge. I checked the end of the book. He wins. He's already won. If you want to walk in victory, you walk with Jesus. If you want to find breakthrough, you find it in Jesus. Don't rely on man for your needs. You know, I might be standing up here. I've got a good shirt on and I've put my shiny shoes on and I'm holding a mic and I'm saying some stuff, but I don't have the answers you're looking for. Don't look for men to, to give you the answers you are looking for. You, you, might, you might be a mature Christian and people might come to you because they think, hey, that they've got it all together. They've, they're going to 
give me the answer I'm looking for. We need to point people to Jesus. He's got the answer. He's the only one. I don't have the answers. Jesus does. And yeah, we can have advice and, you know, we, we have life experience and we can share that. But at the end of the day, we need to create people, a, a group of people that we're all dependent on Jesus. We're not, we're not forming this codependency where I need people to need me and, and then, and, uh, you know, and we sort of start, it starts to get a bit weird. We need to continually, you know what, I, I can't help you, but I know someone who can. Let's pray. Let's see what Jesus is saying into the situation so that we have a generation of people that seek Jesus and know where their life comes from. Verse 12, my beloved ones, just like you have always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this New life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. God's not saying, right, guys, if you try hard enough, you're going to be able to walk in unity. So I want you to try really, really hard and you'll get there. Just try really hard. God will never ask you to do something without equipping you and, make, and giving you a way to see it happen, come to fruition. So we need to stay humble, being aware of our weakness without being controlled by our weakness. Because where we are weak, He is strong. We can allow our strengths and abilities and, and try and do things in our own strength, and we put God aside because we think, oh, yeah, I've got this. I've got this. But it's choosing to position yourself and stay in that position where God can be God. You're relying on Him. And the way we do that is just by keep coming into His presence. Keep spending time. Time communing. Consider Jesus. He continually separated Himself, took time to pray, came into the presence. God would speak to Him. And he would come back with all his disciples back into unity, uh, passionate. Verses 14 to 16, told you would get there. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God. Even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. I haven't labored among you for nothing, for your lives are the fruit of my ministry and will be my glorious boast at the unveiling of Christ. Church, as we walk together in unity, the world is impacted. As we pull together, as we work together, the world is impacted. And it's easy for us to focus on the material results of unity and it's like, oh, look what we're building and look at these programs we're able to do together and, and you know, look at the great big teams that we're putting on and, oh, we can build a building and we, we start to have our eyes looking at those, those results of unity. But let me tell you that the, the only fruit of unity that we should be looking for is changed lives. Changed lives are the fruit of unity together. And as we walk together, we see that evidence abound. People on fire for and loving Jesus. People free from being controlled by pride or circumstance. And people loving so brightly 
that the world is impacted. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you make a way in all things. Thank you, Father, that, that as you command us to, to live in unity, you also make a way for us to do so. I thank you that we can come into your presence anytime to be encouraged and inspired and filled with passion. I thank you, Father, that as we work together, as we pull together and as we move together in this direction, Lord, that we uh, would be powerful in this city, that we would see your kingdom advance, that we would see the world impacted as you work through us. Amen.